Give me a second here. I feel like I'm rambling. Um, That's what the editing is for. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Edibuddies podcast. This episode is brought to you by Fanfiction, the redheaded stepchild of the literary world. Today, I'm speaking with Devin Slavens. She's a freelance content writer who writes medical articles for websites. She also happens to be my best friend, and there might be a rabbit trail about our history writing fanfiction together. Enjoy! Devin, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about your experience with writing, with editing, and what your background's like? Basically, I am a freelance writer. I mostly write blog posts, usually long form blog posts for people's websites, basically websites where they're trying to sell something and they need content to drive traffic and provide like the kind of information that their clients would be and their customers would be like looking for. So I mainly write about COPD and health problems having to do with lung issues, uh, respiratory diseases, um, and that kind of thing. So not really marketing, but not really quite like medical instruction, just more kind of general information type stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's called like content marketing. So it's Mm -hmm. basically content that's written specifically to basically just drive traffic or promote like a website or a product or something like that. I have to say, like, I'm actually really excited to have this conversation because obviously I think we've known each other for 22 years, something like that. But I don't think we've ever had an in-depth conversation about your job and how you even really got in into doing that. Yeah, and it's it's something I don't really talk about much because unless you're specifically in the writing or editing kind of world, it's not something, there's not a whole lot to talk about or that most people would find interesting because it's a pretty like solitary profession, really, you know? Yeah. So how did you first go about getting into that world? Well, I think I always knew that I wanted to have some sort of career related to like writing. It's something I did a lot as a kid and was always kind of one of my major strengths in school. So basically after college, I got a degree in communications and biology and decided I wanted to start looking for a way to start writing. And so I started out working for some nonprofits, basically doing some work on their social media pages, um, writing articles for blogs to uh, kind of promote like sustainability, renewable energy, just those types of things. Those are types of nonprofits I was working with. And from that point on, I started kind of applying to job postings I found online and that's how I got in. And pretty much I found all my clients either through online job postings or just word of mouth. Wow. That's amazing that you basically built it from the ground up without really having any any previous experience writing uh, professionally other than those blogs and things? Um, I don't think it's really like that hard of a market to break into if you actually are a good writer and you're easy to work with. You know, I think there's always people looking for that type of thing. The hardest part, honestly, is just finding people who pay well because there's so many people offering really crap pay. Yeah, and probably getting very crap content at the same time. Exactly. It's very much a you get what you pay for type of thing. And I've had to spend some time uh, editing some of those. I I sometimes have clients who will hire uh, a new writer for really cheap and then basically have to pay me to fix it or rewrite it for them. (laughs) 
So tell me more, a little bit more about that experience, like working on other people's stuff. For the most part, I've mainly just done rewrites. Like there's been a couple that uh, they've thrown my way where they're like, okay, like I'm not really sure if they really uh, wrote what we asked for. So can you take a look at it, see if you can fix it or rewrite it? And most of the time it involves a lot of rewriting because um, the biggest problems they have is people who they'll give them a topic and they'll write around the topic without ever really addressing it. Like there was one, I think they asked somebody to write about chronic pain um, that COPD patients experience. So this was for an audience of people with lung diseases and they were asked them to write an article about chronic pain uh, related to COPD. And so they wrote an article that was basically all about just kind of chronic pain in general as an idea. So they were just kind of trying to pass off kind of some general content that wasn't really specifically what they asked for. So I had to basically kind of salvage what I could from what they wrote, but then basically rewrite an article that was actually about chronic pain in COPD patients. So that was less of an edit job and more of a, we got to fix this. (laughs) Yeah. There's serious, let's just do this over. Wow. Yeah. That's very, that's very interesting. And it's, it's, I guess it's not really surprising that uh, people would try to like you said, pass off general writing. It's almost makes me think of like when you're in college and you're like, you have to need a word count. So you're just like put in as much irrelevant and tangentially related information as possible without actually like proving your points. Yeah, exactly. I did quite a lot of that in college myself. Um, <laughs> we all did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I do want to, I want to go back to something that you mentioned about um, how you started writing as a kid, because obviously that is something that we have as a shared history. I very vividly remember us writing Lord of the Rings fan fiction together when we were like 11 to 12 years old. <laughs> what do you remember about that? I remember it being a damn good fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read it in like 10 years, but I remember it being witty and clever and amazing, which it probably would not appear that way now. <laughs> I feel like we almost need to do like, you know how some podcasts have like secret Patreon like episodes. We need to do a series of secret Patreon episodes of us reading like our fan fiction chapters and commenting on them because I feel like that could actually be really funny. <laughs> yes, I, I I agree. There's we should definitely pick a couple chapters to look at and and pull some key passages. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we could even re- we maybe we can even edit them with our with our new adult <laughs> brains. But I I always I think back to that because that was my first experience writing something collaboratively where, you know, you would write a chapter and I would kind of play around with it and fix it. And I would write a chapter and you would play around with it and fix it. And we definitely like, I feel like developed our writing styles together. And we really got into the process of editing together for, for the first time for me, at least. Yeah. Like, it's funny. I don't remember a ton about the process. Is that you should actually, you should kind of like remind me, like, did we usually do it like chapter by chapter, like trade off or, cause I kind of remember just like, I suppose just kind of like having ideas, like we would have an idea and we would like write a passage or a chapter and then just kind of expound on it. Like that would give you, you know, it was very like organic, like. Yeah. And it was all through email. We would email stuff back and forth. And I had the fan fiction account that we posted it to because you had to keep changing your fan fiction name so your parents wouldn't find it. 
Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> so, because Lord of the Rings fan fiction is so edgy and inappropriate. So, so satanic, man. Like, you have no idea the stuff it pulled us into. <laughs> But yeah, so we would we would email stuff back and forth and I I definitely remember like you would send me something and I would go through and I would like change stuff or yeah, expound on different ideas or suggest like different ways of doing things and you would do that for me too. And uh and then when we both kind of like agreed it was where we wanted to be, we would like post a chapter. And I think we did 10 chapters or so and I don't think we ever finished it, which is very sad. Like it though it does not have a satisfactory ending. Did we not? I don't remember no. how it ended at all. I want to uh, see if I can actually, like, is it still up? Like, is it still on the website? It was called right? Why would, okay, I'm cutting that out for sure. We're not going to, like, tell on ourselves like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's important to mention that it was self-insert, and it literally just has our first names in it. Oh. Our characters are literally just us. Yeah, and my brother's in it and by name but my mom is not my mom it is a different mom but it does take place in my house that is my house (laughs) or the house I grew up in and it uh it ends with mold forming into Elrond's eyebrows I just read the last paragraph of the last published chapter that's where it ended was the mold of uh, the Elrond eyebrows mold I think that stands out to me more than anything. I remember us being so proud of that part. It was I like a little it. horror section that ended it, in humor, and it was it perfect. Was, it was the twist. It was the brilliant <laughs> twist, and we were so proud. And apparently we were like, we can never top this. Like, we can't even have an ending. It just has to live here. <laughs> just to end with Elrond's eyebrows. <laughs> Which was a a meme. I feel like Elrond's eyebrows was like a meme before memes were a a thing. Like, at least in like the Lord of the Ring fan community. Mm -hmm, Totally. Yeah, I I remember uh, fan fiction being a huge part of my life in like, I mean, that was probably middle school. Was that about the age? Late elementary school, middle school. Yeah. But I would check... Um, I, I remember writing a few different fan fictions at the same time. I did another one. I don't know if you ever even read it. It was a Cardcaptor Sakura fan fiction. It was a really sappy romance. And I just remember obsessively checking my reviews and views and all that stuff. Like that was like the measure of my self-esteem all throughout like elementary middle school. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you had to do the thing where you had to like respond to everybody's reply or review from your previous chapter. You had to like thank them personally in the comments. Yeah. Oh, God. What a simple what a simpler time. I'm glad we talked about this because I like I feel like this is something we haven't really revisited in a while. And it's mm-hmm. it's such a formative part of I know like my you know, propensity for writing, your propensity for writing, like this whole experience. And honestly, when I was deciding to make this transition into editing as a career, like this was one thing I was thinking about was this specific ridiculous fan fiction and how much I enjoyed reading through your sections and seeing like, oh, this works, but what if we did this instead and figuring out what we could tweak and what we could change to make it, you know, the best it could be. That really was like the spark for me for wanting to go here. So thank you for that. (laughs) No problem. So, um, obviously you are writing these long form blog articles, basically, 
And so you're responsible for generating all the content, but then you also have to be essentially your own editor. So talk a little bit about what that process is like for you. For me, it's actually kind of interesting thinking about the editing process because I definitely go through an explicit editing process, but honestly, the whole thing is very mixed. So I do a lot of editing while I'm writing, which obviously isn't the case. Like a lot of people do one or the other and don't have it blended so much. But I think that just because I am kind of responsible for the process from start to finish, that I kind of do, I do it kind of all at once to a certain degree, but I definitely do go through some definite stages but like they're very intermixed and kind of overlapping Mm -hmm. um which honestly is kind of a problem because generally as a writer you want to focus more on like the flow of writing you want to get the words down on paper and then you want to edit that's something I have a really hard hard time with I've always been the kind of person who writes like my final draft first that's kind of Mm -hmm. the writer I've always been so um I tend to not go through drafts. I tend to write it all at once and then just do basically a round of editing. Generally, I go through three main rounds of editing. So first I do like a content edit, which has to do with making sure that all of the ideas flow, that uh, everything's fleshed out, that everything is in a logical order, just kind of more editing like the actual ideas and like content of the article. Then I go through kind of a grammatical edit, which is more on kind of like the paragraph level, paragraph mm-hmm. sentence level. So I'll just go through and make sure the sentences make sense, there aren't any glaring grammatical errors, things like that. And then I'll just do a final proofread, which is mainly just polishing, looking for typos, anything else I might have missed. So you're basically following like very much the classic editing structure, developmental edit, line or copy edit, and then proofread. But you're just having to do each stage yourself, essentially. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't I don't know if I ever really have thought about it as like a formal process. I think it's just kind of the logical way that you go through things. You know what I mean? Like even I think if you haven't explicitly been taught that if you go sit down to edit something, you kind of have that top down process where you start kind of with the bigger picture and then just kind of move in and get look at it closer and closer as you go. Well, and I think that's a great illustration of how, especially um, I think sometimes new authors can be confused as to why there are these different like levels of editing. If they're looking for editing services, they might be like, oh, I think I only need this type of editing, but I'm not really sure what all these differences are. But like you said, it is kind of, it follows the natural flow of what you are, what you're trying to accomplish of getting kind of more big picture and slowly narrowing down. Sorry, my cat is sneezing for some reason and I don't <laughs> I don't know what he's doing what are you doing bud okay I guess he's fine but yeah so it kind of follows this natural process of starting with the big picture and narrowing down into those final finer details until finally you get the proofread and then you're done so um I'm curious do you, do you have any sort of experience with being edited by someone else like having a professional editor or even just a somebody who's reading your work, you know, give you commentary. Yeah. um, Strangely enough, not so much in my professional work. Um, Just, I guess it's just the types of clients I've worked with. They tend to be very hands-off. Like they just kind of want me to give them the finished process and be hands-off. So most of the time I'm not getting that from my clients, but um, kind of part of how I learned to edit myself was going through that in college. I took writing classes. I did some um, science, I did a science writing internship 
Um, and that was probably the most intense editing process I went through. So we had like an actual editor assigned to a few students and we were writing for a science blog that the, that the university hosted. And so we would, we would write drafts and we'd send it to our editor and she would give us, um, notes and just kind of tell us what she liked, what she didn't like, what she wanted to see more of, um, I'm not really sure what a normal editing process would look like, but, um, it was always a less formal and more just kind of interpersonal process, more just kind of like sitting down with somebody and having them go over it with you, really. Yeah. Have you ever like, especially when you're responsible for your own editing, do you ever look back at like things that have been posted and see like really glaring errors and be like, what the hell am I doing? Yes, absolutely. I do. I, I get very critical. Um, in fact, I've had to make a habit of just not going back and reading them for a while after I post them because it makes me so anxious. And I'm like, uh, and I worry about it so much. And I, I find things that I think I'm more critical of it right afterwards, right after I'm done writing it than I would be if I went back and looked at it a couple of weeks later. And because I, I feel like I, I really tend to get tunnel vision and focus on things that maybe aren't so important to like the big picture, especially when I'm kind of still in the writing and editing process. Whereas if I go back after getting some space from it, it might not even stand out to me at all. Right. Yeah. I've definitely had that experience of, you know, where you're working on a paragraph and you're like, Oh, it's not quite right. And then you're like adjusting and then you're spending 20 minutes just like tweaking something to ultimately say the same thing just because it doesn't quite flowing the way that you want it to. And yeah, as much as possible, you have to try and not do that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I have literally spent hours on a single paragraph Yeah, doing exactly that. It's, it's a really, it's a right you can definitely get stuck into. Well, and in your, in your situation, you're being paid by the word, right? Not by the amount of hours you spend on a, on a particular topic. Yes. And that's why it's especially devastating when that happens. <laughs> it's like not worth it at that point. Like you have to be realistic about the amount of time that you're spending on it. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, like, um, some editors, some freelance editors do get paid by the hour. Some get paid by the word. And, but it's a little bit different with us because our job is to find all of the things and to at least have suggestions for making them better. Not necessarily have a fix, but at least have some kind of idea to help the author, you know, think about it differently so they can make the choice on whether they want to make the change or not. And sometimes that in and of itself is an exhausting process <laughs> to try and to think about, okay, knowing these characters, knowing this story, knowing the style of writer this author is, what's a suggestion that might help them think about an alternative way of looking at this, you know, and how do I highlight um, what isn't working in a way that isn't just like overtly negative? Like it's, it's very, you know, you have to be kind of innovative in your commentary when you're working on things. Yeah, definitely. I remember editing. <laughs> it was very nerve wracking. One time I edited um, one of my main clients that I write articles for. He's, his daughter was applying to college and it was like the night before her deadline and she was freaking out about her entrance essay. Oh and my. so he sent it to me and asked me to edit it. And so there, that was a lot of pressure because it was my client's kid. Yeah. And she, she was using it to get into college. And so I was trying to edit this and, and it was, you know, something I definitely had to edit, not rewrite, you know, cause it needs to be her voice and her, her writing. So that was kind of interesting, but I totally know what you mean. It's, it's interesting having to like, not only know what to edit, but how to communicate that to somebody. 
and how to point it out. Like, I feel like it's a lot of just kind of explaining concepts like, okay, here you have a list. You might want to list three things instead of just like this one or these two things in this list, like sound really similar. Maybe you could think of like a different way to say it, you know, things like that. Yeah. I'm being very diplomatic. Um, yes. I'm curious. Like, did the girl make it into college? Did you ever find out? I think she did. I think she hey, did. Look at you. <laughs> I don't know if it had anything to do with the essay or if it was even the college that essay was for, but I know, I think it turned out well. Do you have any favorite, when you're going through the edit process, do you have any favorite like tools or tricks or any like special things that you use to kind of help you with that process? Um, sometimes there's one little trick I heard once that I've used a couple times, which is that uh, to change the font of all of the text in your document to just kind of give you a fresh look at it and specifically to change it to a font that's like kind of grading or that you don't like <laughs> like it's supposed to put you in this mood where you're more critical okay. and like just kind of looking at it from a different perspective and I don't know like how much it helps but I do do that sometimes when I'm having an especially hard time and I feel like it does help a little bit <laughs> so you would change it to something like papyrus or like comic sans like something yes you comic sans <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> okay <laughs> but I feel like that that's a uh, especially when you're editing your own work that you've been looking at a lot, or if it's something that you've just had eyes on for a really long time, it helps to just kind of give you some distance from it and make it maybe not seem like as much like your own writing, like you're being more critical editing somebody else. Yeah, very cool. We're going to move into this um, special segment now that we're calling Name That Book. I'm going to re-record that intro or I'll do a applause or, you know, laugh track or something. I don't know. Um, okay. So this is the segment where I am, you're going to pick a number between one and 11, and that's going to give you, give us a prompt to name a book that matches with the prompt. It'll make sense when we play. I promise. Um, <laughs> Devin, would you pick a number between one and 11? 11. Ooh, Okay. Name the first book that comes to your mind. What a great way to just completely make any books that could have come to mind just completely disappear. Um, I'll, I'll tell you mine, but you won't like what's it. What's yours? I don't like it. Mine was the, mine was the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I'm not looking at a Bible. I I don't know why that was the first thing after I read that, that was like the Bible. Um, that's a book. So probably just because we've been revisiting some of like our, you know, literary endeavors from childhood. Um, the uh, Amelia Atwater Road series of Hawk Song. Yes. It was, yes, it was a, um, it was, I guess, a fantasy about like shapeshifters. Yes. Um, and it was a it was a Romeo and Juliet uh, style story between the bird shapeshifters and the snake shapeshifters. Yep, I remember loving those books. I remember loving Amelia Atwater Road. She, I mean, honestly, looking back, she was very kind of like her writing style isn't great, but it honestly really reminds me of the type of stuff I was reading at that age, like fan fiction sort of style. Like yeah. I would like she reminds me of like a fan fiction author, you know? 
Very much so. And yet I always feel like I remember her characters being very vivid and her, um, her descriptions, which, you know, she's a fantasy author, so you would hope that this would be on point, but she really created this incredible environment of, you know, the, the uh, bird people's palace and sanctuary, and then later on the snake people's, and kind of, you got such a clear sense of these people's culture and how their shape-shifting animal influenced, um, not just like the way that they dressed or, um, but also like just the way that they moved and the way that they interacted and everything, I thought was very, very cool and very, very rich. Yes, I remember that too. Like, I remember the like um, snake dancers' nests. Do you remember that? Yeah. The way that, but the way she would just describe, yeah, the different like species and their cultures, and the way those cultures were just so, just intricately interwoven. I guess just with their species, just the way that they that she really just wove that all together into like a really, just fully fleshed out world. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running out of words here. <laughs> no. I, well, we've been doing this for a while, so I think we're actually about ready to um, wrap up here. So thank you so much again for being here for my inaugural episode. It's just been awesome to be able to talk to you about this process. Like I said, like I can't believe we've never really had this conversation, but it's been great. And I also just love hearing the different, because there's so many different types of writing happening now and so many different avenues for people to go down. And I think it's really interesting to hear the similarities and the differences between what you do and what some other people I work with do. Yeah, especially because I feel like that feel the field has really exploded because, I mean, think about before, you know, before the internet, like there wasn't a lot you know, there was marketing and then there was fiction writing and then there was nonfiction writing. And I don't know, it's exploded into like a lot of different varying types of career paths. Or I think that, you know, sometimes people really doubt whether there's actual real paid work out there for writers and editors and things like that. And they're like, well, what, what would you even write for? And I just, I really think that, uh, like you said, there's just so much content everywhere. I th- people are just kind of blind to it. Like yeah. they don't realize that like pretty much everything they interact with like online any kind of media they interact with has so much writing and good writing is invisible you don't even really notice it and that's why most people I think don't realize what a big field it is and how important it is it's just because you're not really supposed to like notice you know that you're necessarily like reading something that somebody wrote it's supposed to feel natural and most of it is yeah so supposed to feel produced but you have to do a lot of work to get it to that point Exactly. And that's our show. So glad you could join us. If you have any freelance writing needs, I'll put Devin's contact info in the show notes. If you have any ideas for guests or topics that you think I should cover on the show, just send me an email at edibuddiespod at gmail.com. I also take editing clients through my business, Midwright Worlds, which you can find on Instagram or at my website, midwright.com. That's M-I-D-W-R-I-T-E.com. See you next time.